Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning and welcome back to another week of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by the CEO, the founder, not corporate, sorry about that, the founder, Omar Jackson of OJ Lifestyle. Uh, Omar's story is nothing short of inspiring. He started out as an entrepreneur uh, when he was 13, and we'll talk about that. Uh, and now as a part, he then became a partner, and he is a partner in a private equity firm. He recently launched his lifestyle brand, OJ Lifestyle. It focuses on key elements, including experiences, fashion and social sustainability. The brand includes a membership app, X by OJ Lifestyle, a gym, a fashion line and more. Today, we're going to talk about his story, the recent launch of uh, X by OJ Lifestyle and also uh, the current situation and how how launching a brand and having an event during a global pandemic. Welcome, Omar. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for joining. So this is your first podcast you mentioned. It, it is my first podcast, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I mean, so many of my, my friends um, get involved in podcasts, have their, their own podcast shows, yeah. things like that. But uh, it's just something I've never done. I don't know how it's escaped me. But You've done a lot of other media, though. <laughs> plenty of other media, video stuff, t- TV stuff, but just Music, not a yeah. podcast. But it's, it's, it's okay. nice to do something slightly different. Great. Well, thanks for joining. So how the event was two nights ago. How was it? I mean, I mean, it was, you know, uh, uh, from all the events that we've done, I'm a big fan of doing events and, and bringing uh, kind of people together. Uh, it uh, went really, really well. And, I, it, you know, I was nervous for multiple reasons. Number one, being a personal brand with my own name on it, it has a, you know, something more deep inside you that it matters to you. Um, but also because of the times we're in, it was the, the first event, uh, licensed event, um, since COVID uh, had started, so here in the region, in yeah. the region, yeah. So it was, did you need special permission for that? It's lamp. It was a bit of a landmark itself, and yeah, like mm. like with any event, you have mm. to apply with, with DTCM, and you have to to get everything in in line uh, accordingly. So, and was there extra criteria? I, I know I was there myself, and it just seemed that everything was done efficiently. We were all handed cool branded masks when we arrived, and it just felt safe. I think that's what it's all about. So I think you, when you're hosting people, no matter where you're doing it, um, and whether it's in times like this or in in, in um, when when things are normal, it's it's always important to make people feel comfortable. Yeah. And uh, so we have we have guidelines that we have to follow. Um, we made sure we follow those guidelines exactly as they as, as they as they were put. Yeah. And uh, there, there's no there's no reason why you can't create an activate enjoyable experience. Um, just because there's some guidelines in place that uh, that may affect how you how you normally do things, and I think we we demonstrated that on Tuesday evening. Yeah, and it was quite an entertaining event. You had uh, you had fire throwers, you had rappers, you had uh, a, a friend of yours, Amir Khan, as yeah. a guest as well. And he's yeah, so it was a lot packed into one. <laughs> it was you know it was. You know, literally, as, as the brand is, designed to energize, thrill, inspire. And I think that we really wanted to put a show on that night. No one's had any events to go to for several months now. And um, I was wanted people to leave that place with a smile on, on, on their face and feeling confident and passionate about the brand and just with a memory. And I think that will be a memory because mm. it's been so long since people have had an event. 
um, and, and got together that people will, or anyone that was there will remember that evening yeah. uh, for some time and uh, that, that's what matters to me. When you, have, when you own the event yourself, you, get, you have more license and creativity and freedom. I, I know you sponsored, uh, OJ Lifestyle sponsored Redfest before. Mm. What do you think the difference is with sponsoring someone else's event and holding your own, despite, despite extra work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's two very different things and you, you do it for two very different reasons. I mean, sponsorship's all about branding. It's all about uh, recognition uh, for, for one way or another. And you're 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 trying to to kind of utilize a platform that a that an event um, organizers is put on, and obviously something like Redfest, as as you say, has got twenty twenty has amazing artists, mm. uh, not to mention Stormzy as as the, yeah. as the headliner. So th there was obviously some massive benefits to 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 get out of that relationship, and especially putting on that show. Yeah, uh, we don't have control per se of. Of how things are, are operated because that's not our our remit. Our remit is to sponsor it, and obviously, then we have our various activations that we want to do in and around the relationship. Yeah. When you put on your own event, it's very different. So obviously, you're you're in full control of of all aspects of it, but all, especially the experience on the night, which is what is vital to me. And, and I think you know everyone has their own ways of doing events, but for me, it's it's the little things that matter. Yeah. Um, the details. Yeah. So I pay attention to that as closely as I can. So even though you work with uh, an events company, you're really hands-on, you're looking at all the detail, you're trying to shape that experience. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the events company working with uh, Urban Events, uh, I was, you know, blown away this time by how they how they operated. To, to, to be completely honest, I mean, I've worked with several events companies over the years, and and you know they do a good job, but uh, Tammy at Urban, she was insanely good. She That's took good the team. pressure off, yeah. Um, and and as you said, I, I like to be involved because I want to make sure every I is dotted, every T is crossed, mm. um, and it gives me the confidence going into the night that it's covered. Yeah. And it's important, yeah. When you've got to be, yeah. you're also the host, so you've got to speak, you've got to do everything, and you don't need to be worrying about if someone over there has food or exactly. if this important guest is having a good time. Is that she, she did a grand job, and the, and the fact is, for me, you know, after I had finished off the, kind of the duties that I had to do on the night in terms of speaking, mm. I was actually able to kind of get around the room, Great. network with our guests, and and that's really important to me. Where instead of worrying about yeah, you know, has this happened? Has that happened? Because yeah. things always go wrong. Um, there's always hurdles. It's nice to be talking about events again. You know, you know, some people uh, forget what things were like. It's been so. Long. I, I know, I know. It's, it, it was. You almost feel a bit. Felt a bit rusty. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. But um, it yeah. was. Rusty yeah, it was amazing. And stuff. Yeah. But so this was to launch X by OJ Lifestyle. So a right. product, not the brand. The brand yeah. has been out there. Mm -hmm. And X, just to explain in your own words, this what X is. X is quite simply a, a digitalized membership platform. Uh, so we we've talked about it for quite a long time, and I I have, have pre-launched it in June, fourteenth of June, and it's it's been a, a long process. But I really wanted to kind of showcase part of the development of the of the platform itself, yeah, uh, publicly through social media and whatnot. And and that's because I for me everything's about a journey yeah. with OJ Lifestyle. In beta as well, yeah. Yeah, you know, so many businesses you launch, uh, or someone launches, you don't know about it, and then you only hear about it if it's successful. Yeah. Right, if they make it, then they publicize it. Yeah. And that's that's fine. But 
with OJ Lifestyle, I think with the very essence of the brand, I want to showcase the journey. Mm. Because it's the journey that is the memory. That's the bit you're proud of. That's the bit that leads you to the success. And, yeah. and I want to, I don't mind showing any mistakes we make. I don't mind being transparent with it because it's, it's a learning opportunity for, yeah. for, for a lot of people. That's a very sort of uh, approach that's relatable for tech and product people. You know, the Facebook mindship, it hasn't shipped, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And even Elon Musk, I, you know, I remember working in digital marketing in the past and we couldn't launch a microsite unless it was 100% perfect. Whereas he, he launches things like The Boring Company and a URL on his Twitter and, it, and you open it and there's glitches and he doesn't care because he gets feedback. Like it's this yeah. sort of like in this sort of really kind of, it's related to the digital world we live in, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think, it, you know, you go through uh, the times and, and the way society thinks about things mm. shifts. Mm. Um, but I think it actually, someone like Musk, I think, will, will, will be, is very smart about that. He's intelligent because it creates interaction. Yeah. Um, if someone is using it and you know it's something brand new and they give feedback on it, you've interacted with that person. So I think you know there's a, there's an intelligent ploy behind it as well. Yeah. Even if others will criticise that he didn't do it properly or he didn't pay attention, it's all about knowing what to do. And if someone gives you feedback and then you visibly show that you react to it, listening, yeah, then that. That, that any criticism doesn't become relevant anymore. Yeah. So I think it's an intelligent way of going about things if you respond correctly yeah. and you, you take take note of the feedback. And you bring in the community along the journey. Yeah. Part of that is brave and part of, you know, what you've done uh, is, you know, <laughs> once a better word, it's ballsy, it's <laughs> kind of ambitious, it's courageous to kind of uh, do everything. You know, in the intro we talked about XYOJ lifestyle, a gym, everything. You're kind of doing everything. That's brave. <laughs> Do you think it's brave? Um, you know, I, a lot of people have said that to me. Um, I, I understand what or where that kind of mindset come from um, because I think in this marketplace where there is, you know, definitely difficulty in, in, a, in most industries, um, you obviously are trying to launch something brand new at a time where economies and, and, and the world is, is not sure what's happening next week. Mm. Um, so this, there is, there's definitely kind of risk attached to that. Mm. And I, 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 uh, I understand that, but it is, um, for me, it's about opportunity. Times like this breed opportunity and timing is to be perfect with everything you do. Mm. And I've been building this brand for the last two years. I, I was ready to launch X at the beginning of the year and I didn't. Uh, and, and I think that's all because of being able to recognize the timing. And then I actually changed. Was that because of COVID? Did you see what was happening? So yeah. because of COVID and then I actually utilized that time to change 40% of the app mm. as to what it was when it was going to launch at the beginning of the year. Not for good or for bad, just because I felt that the post-COVID consumer would prefer the way it is now. Such as? It, the, the functionality of it, it the, the way we were actually marketing it, the, the way the homepage appeared. Yeah, it was all to do with positioning and uh, functionality yeah. um, and how we try to give more for less, mm. considering, you know, the, the unfortunate 
damage that that uh, this pandemic has caused to people's lives, I wanted to try and give them even more um, than what than what was possible before because brands what they were willing to give in January yeah. is very different to what they're willing to give now. Yeah. Um, because they they want the business too. Okay. So it was renegotiations. Yeah. So we, we'll talk about a little bit in a second about yeah. the lifestyles category. Uh, just on that previous question about doing everything and being ambitious, yeah. which is which is fine in the trade of a good entrepreneur. Uh, other times people say to have focus and to choose one thing. Uh, how do you see that? Are you okay with maybe one element not working and fixing another thing or doing a lot at once? Depends how you see doing a, a lot at once. You know, okay. <laughs> I could say OJ Lifestyle just one thing. Okay. Start focusing on one thing. Yeah. For me, it's not about. You can do se- several little things. A, do you have the team to do it? Mm. Personnel. The answer for me is yes. Mm. So it's not like I'm one man doing a million things because that's that's not the case, and I'd be lying lying if I if I was to say that it's um, I I come up with the ideas. I have the creativity, the concepts, the strategy. And I have a great team in all different departments, whether it be marketing, PR, design, okay. you know, business development. And we sit down and we cover everything and then everyone executes their, their, their work. And you know, I've, I've mentioned about what team means to me um, at the launch event. Mm. You know, I spent a lot of time creating um, and, uh, the right team culture and getting the right individuals. And uh, we managed to, to execute things uh, well, and I take pride in that. The brand, yeah. yeah. So just a question then about lifestyle, because these days nearly every brand is called a lifestyle brand. I've heard media brands called lifestyle brands, clothing companies. Uh, what, where do you see the category and how do you see uh, OJ Lifestyle fitting in? Uh, no, absolutely, that's correct. Um, it's almost a, an overused word now, a bit like entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the... the I had this conversation with um, Adele, who who runs Cove Beach, yeah, and uh, he's a good, good friend of mine. And he, one of the first things he said to me earlier this year, which I, I'll they've never actually forget. mentioned, they were on. Uh, there was uh, Charlie was on this, and he mentioned okay. lifestyle brand as well. Yeah, he said it to me earlier this year, and I, I didn't forget it just because it was a very it was very interesting to me. Um, how he said, you know, people say, "What well, what is Cove Beach?" and they'll say, "Beach Club." Okay. But he said it's not. We're we're a lifestyle brand. We're here to to put on a lifestyle. And I think the difference between lifestyle as a definition uh, to represent a venue or, or business and saying exactly what it is is how wholesome or complete the experience is when you are 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 interacting with that brand or venue. Mm. So you know if you're going to to Cove as an example here, you aren't just going to Cove to have have a drink, have some food, and go to the beach. You're not. Usually, if you go to Cove, you spend several hours there because you can go to not just have lounge food, you can go to a restaurant, mm. you can have shisha, you can have a drink by the pool, you can go to the beach, you can enjoy fitness activities, you can um, even work with uh, yacht companies through there. I think they're part of yeah. the exclusive yachts. Yeah. There's a Caesars Palace attachment. There's so many things to get involved in and be part of. Mm. Then they have obviously Ladies Day, they have uh, different themes. So that's what lifestyle's about. And yeah. they, they've done well to, to manipulate that. And uh, in the same way, that's what we're talking about. You know, We provide an application X where you're able to access various quality brands um, across all sectors. So that's great because that uh, provides you with, um, with, with uh, lots of different avenues to go down, whether it be F&B, hospitality, etc. But then we'll also give a gym because okay. 
health and fitness is important. Yeah, interesting. But so, but you, in terms of, is it would people related to it as a concierge service, or are there prototypes that you saw uh, that you thought that that works quite well? But I'm going to do my old version, or because I have, I don't um, subscribe to. Uh, an OJ lifestyle competitor, mm. and I, and I, you know, I wonder what am I missing and how I can how it benefits me. So, where, what's your kind of packaging in that way? Um, for the app itself, in in terms of how it benefits everybody, you're you're getting a lifestyle boost with yeah. quality brands. So we select our brands rather than brands choosing to list themselves. Um, the point of that is it's quality, not quantity. So every sector, you name it, you'll have one, two, three options on there that fits our criteria that we list. And then we don't list their competition because I don't like to dilute the business mm. that we are providing to, to one, one firm in the sector. Um, you then obviously, not only is it discounts or offers or experiences, um, you're also able to access our, our gym when it launches. Is this the same gym that Amir Khan is involved in? I, exactly. Interesting. So the, the Box Bojo Lifestyle powered by Amir Khan, yeah. uh, that will open over the, over the next couple of months, uh, certainly right. before the end of the year. And it's, it's, it's exciting and it's only possible to enter if you're a member of, of X Bojo Lifestyle. Okay. Um, and and uh, you, you actually utilize something called X Points. So every time you redeem with a partner of ours, you get mm. points. And it's one point for every entry to the gym mm. that comes off. So loyalty element to it. Yeah, loyalty element. So basically we're saying you can get between one and three points for every redemption you make uh, with a partner. Those points get uploaded to your accounts. You can see that. So if you say, okay, I, I do five redemptions a month, whether it be my dry cleaning with champions or, or I want a car or I even want you know, some kind of design services. We've got all the business professional services on there too. Yeah. You will get anything between 10 and 15 points for five, mm. five redemptions, let's say, and uh, that's 10 or 15 trips to the gym. Okay. So you, by using the services, you redeem the gym access? Yeah, exactly. So you don't pay for the gym. Mm. You ba we're, we're, we're creating that wholesome experience where, yeah. as long, where everybody wins. Mm. And, and that, is, that is the true balance of it. And that's how we managed to attract so many brands mm. who don't, list with any other platform or have never listed with any other platform such as what? I mean you, you can look at Cove themselves you yeah the Zion Narai Resort uh, okay. I mean Narai Resorts is a uh, is a is becoming globally renowned for its uh, paradise if, yeah. if you like um, uh, interesting. It's, okay. it's it's a it's a very interesting setup in, mm. in that sense even the likes of Bagatelle mm. um, in, in the F&B they, they are very particular with their brand guidelines mm. and that's because we give our brands control you know, we don't say you have to do two for one, fifty percent off. It, we're experience driven. Is this accessible to everyone? Uh, do you, are you, you know, from a price point point of view, and also from a uh, quality of brands? Are, are you kind of going for a certain uh, type of clientele? You know, when you have a, a, a when you work with quality brands, that doesn't mean luxury. It's about quality of service, quality okay. of reputation. Naturally, quality tends to come at a particular price point, or certainly within the kind of within each sector, quality brands will be in the top twenty percent in price in terms of price point. However, the, we're not limiting it, and we haven't limited access to the uh, to the to the application by price point. It's six hundred ninety nine dirhams per year at the moment, mm. and one thing we will be opening up very shortly um, within the next few weeks is a is a trial period 
that will allow people to to trial it for five to seven days before the membership starts. Okay. A bit like you would with Spotify or yeah. or, or Netflix yeah. or or whatever. So yeah, it's okay. pretty normal. So that will allow people to actually see it before they use it. Okay. Try try before you buy it. Ultimately. So you mentioned tech platforms uh, and then the subscription element. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like uh, the kind of modern, uh, you know, uh, VC funded firm. Uh, that has big evaluation uh, valuation if people are going to be subscribed to it and lifetime value with customers yeah. and all the buzz term. H how have you approached funding or investment? Is this something that uh, you've found VCs to kind of support? Or I know you're a successful entrepreneur in the past. Is this something yeah. that you're self-funding? It's something I'm self-funding. It's it's, wow. it's literally, literally a, a purely personal project to me. Mm. Uh, it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, I'm, when I say passionate about, I'm not... No, I'm not talking about the tech or, or apps. I'm talking about the very essence of why I'm doing this brand and what I'm looking to achieve out of it and the, the community element that I'm trying to bring together. Mm. You know, it's it's very heartfelt in that sense. And that's why, you know, when I put on the event the other day, um, I wanted to really demonstrate the experience value that I that I want to, to offer. And to, to the partners that, that came, I wanted to them to feel... What the brand's about. I wanted to appeal to their hearts, not to their kind of business brains and minds. Okay. You know, and that, yeah. that's the difference I think here. Yeah, um, and it's great for me because my, you know, my day-to-day -day job being in a, in a private equity firm, you're you're you you have to be corporate. You you have a certain a certain narrative, and it's great to be able to kind of move move away from that for you know one moment in my life or for for, for one part of my life now. Yes, yeah. essentially a part of my life now, and and just you know, be free in terms of being able to just represent lifestyle and represent yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 it's fun. I enjoy it. I'm it's, really enjoying it. It's free, it. but it has responsibilities as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, you like it. I'm not afraid of responsibilities. It's just, it's every, it's great to have things in nice. life that, that, uh, kind of get you going, yeah. wake you up and, uh, it's, you need to have a variety of, of, of things to do because yeah. it keeps you, keeps you, um, Keeps you happy and keeps you passionate. So I get why you know. Some and we talk about your passion in racing and and you know events and meeting people. How you come up with a brand like OJ Lifestyle, but from the from a private equity point of view, uh, how did you kind of get into that space? Were you interested in investments or how did you kind of end up in in that space from a career point of view? <laughs> Very much by accident. It was was not planned. You know, I you know I started out when I was young, at thirteen, I had my first business and. I, I was just business minded, I think, you know, I just wanted to go at it myself. And mm. I think that's because that's all I, all I saw when I was young. Um, and I, I, I was, a, in a sense, attracted to it. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Slough, Slough in, in just out of, in Berkshire, just out of West London. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so Windsor, uh, Slough, Berkshire um, is, uh, it was... Quieter than London, London. But Quieter still, than London, London. And, you know, enough. especially yeah. back then, you know, didn't have the best reputation as an area. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, grew up with a, a single mother, uh, myself, my brother. And it was, oh, I wouldn't say it was difficult because my mum my mom worked extremely hard to, to look after my brother and I. But, but uh, it, it was just humble, normal beginnings, you mm. know. And, uh, but I... Humble beginnings in terms of financially, but I feel very blessed and I feel very rich in in experience from a young age, from mm. being able to witness 
my mum and what she did. And I, I talk about this quite a lot because it is very relevant in terms of who I became um, and, and who, I'm, who I'm, what I'm doing because she was such a hardworking individual who sacrificed everything quite literally in her life for the benefit of my brother and I mm. uh, and our education. And I, you know, when, you know, when you're older mm. and like, like I, you, I now I'm able to look back and, and just think, you know, that, that was pretty, that was a good foundation. Yeah. Pretty damn impressive to be mm. working full time or beyond full time and have two kids, you know, as a single mother mm. and have, you know, a house with a mortgage and car wow. and this and that. Uh, and then eventually, you know, trying to send us to to a private school, you know, and because she set up her own business and then started working from, from the, from started off in one of the bedrooms in the house, when then went to the garage and then moved to, into an office. I saw, there was a, mor- a mortgage business and I, I saw my mum start, I remember being like maybe seven, eight years old from one computer in, a, in, mm-hmm. in, a, in the three bedroom house in the third bedroom. My brother and I would share a room and then move to a garage, then move to a small office and a bigger office. Step by step by step, yeah. So I witnessed that as a, as a kid. And, yeah. you know, I, I've just, I was obviously drawn to that and, and that energy and the, the fire for that my mum had because she had to. She had to, to provide for my brother and I. But she didn't have to go as far as she did to try and give us everything. Yeah. And that's what I, when I say everything, that's what I'm, where I mean like rich in, knowledge and experience and you know she'll send us to this thing called Kumon which is this maths okay. kind of class extracurricular maths classes you know which helps in the finance world <laughs> yeah yeah I suppose so and you know she she was doing everything she can to mm. give us a rounded education not just books but uh, you know in every aspect she would try and when, when she could you know if it's something this will like, take us to the theater you know for that kind of cultural experience okay the little things like that mattered to my mum, and it really matters to me. Yeah. I know I, I recognise where it comes from. Sounds like an impressive lady, and it's great to hear this story and the gratitude that you have. Yeah. We don't often hear it, so it's great that you do speak about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, so obviously, you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Some people say they're an entrepreneur because they can't be employable or they can't <laughs> do this. Like, it, and then you know. Just touching on that, is are you employable? <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because, yeah, no, because uh, you know, I think I've been so long now just operating in, in my yeah. headspace um, that it, it'd be difficult for me to work with, with or under another banner. And I think uh, you know, when I was really young, uh, sixteen, I worked for Primark, which was my first yeah. uh, job. Four pounds. You know, there's pennies in Ireland, but pennies. yeah, <laughs> four, four pounds twenty three an hour. Wow. Uh, Everyone remembers their first salary. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, it was that was like was that minimum wage or below it? Uh, it was actually below. Well, no, it, it's minimum wage, but uh, but I think they take between sixteen out, and eighteen, okay. the minimum wage is lower yeah. than eighteen plus. Okay, wow. Because you're still theoretically, I think, supported. I see as you're still living yeah. at home. Yeah. So, uh, but in any way, and then I worked for the airport, and I decided at that point it was literally then I said I'm never going to work for anyone else again, <laughs> uh, and I never have. So yeah. Um, I think again, it's just a desire at that point. But uh, being being employed, it all all uh, depends on your experience. I think mm. you know, the reason these days people go into business for two reasons: a because they got a dream. That's why I say entrepreneur 
entrepreneur is an overused term because the people that don't it maybe just because they're unemployable and and hmm. uh, so they say they're they're going at it themselves but uh, I don't think we think that's that's relevant hmm. employers these days are looking for experience hmm. more than I think degrees or educational backgrounds employees or employers are employees. looking for experience in, 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 in employees yeah, yeah, yeah exactly okay. I think experience is invaluable hmm. um, in whatever you're doing so hmm. um, as long as people are focusing on getting that um, mm. as much as possible, then you, you'll definitely, especially in time like now when, mm. you know, pe a lot of people need jobs or looking for, for new jobs, I think yeah. gaining that experience is where you now become very employable now. Interesting. But essentially, you know, if you've got a dream and a vision, you're not doing it just to be free. You're actually doing it uh, because you essentially are an employee of OJ Lifestyle, which is, you don't Absolutely. have a boss, but you're still working all the time. You're, yeah, I mean, it definitely, structurally, you're, you're an employee and you're mm. working all the time. I mean, you know, I, I work extremely hard. If anything, you know, it's, it's, it's no, a lot of, maybe a, some, there's always misconception in the world that just because you lead something, therefore your life is easy and you've got a bunch of people doing everything for you. Mm. It depends what kind of leader you are. And I said this uh, a fair amount, you know, you've got, Kind of commanders and bosses mm. uh, and then you've got leaders depends who you're working for and who you want to be for me i like to be kind of on the front line with my with my team if you like i like to lead by example i i don't want anyone to, in a sense to be working harder than me because i i want to make sure that i'm putting in all the effort and my passion my blood sweat and tears uh in in, in every positive sense to achieve in especially during times when you need to stand out mm -hmm. in order to in order to stay stable and keep going yeah and to demonstrate that positive that stability to to the team members and spur them on to to, to greater things yeah and and that's the type of leader i like to be um it depends who you are how do you do we didn't touch on it yet there's a sustainability element towards your life yeah. so uh, and i don't mean this indirectly but how do you view good business because there's a lot of talk this year globally on CEOs and being accountable and have and being uh, involved in having commentary on global issues whether you know whether it's uh, um, diversity or whether it's uh, different sorts of things uh, do you think that's good business or is good business doing capitalism well without sort of you know towing the line and things like that what to you is good business um I think when you're talking about social sustainability or, or the social elements, uh, the it's very important to know your positioning as a brand and as an individual. For me, I personally don't like to to bring the brand into social issues or any anything that I that I work with because I don't. It's not that we do do or don't support things. I just mm. don't feel it's necessary on a brand perspective to to bring it in or get involved because there's always. You know, so there's always someone that will have an opinion. Mm. So, whereas if you just stay in terms of media and publicly neutral, for me, that's the best way for our brands and, and what we do. Mm. Depending on what you do, that will vary. It's, I think, social issues are, are definitely, though, very high up our agenda. You know, we do a lot of work socially, and that's what I'd rather focus on. Mm. You know, I, I believe, you know, there's no point talking if you're not going to act. Mm. I like to act and then let that do the talking, especially when it comes to social work, because 
otherwise you're, you're not actually achieving much. I think it, well, there was a period of time where you know, loads of businesses, every business would want to link with a charity and want okay. to do this and want to do that because it made their business look good. It's like a PR stunt. It's a PR yeah. stunt. Yeah. But you don't actually do anything. Um, and that's the difference. Like we started working here with OJ last time, Golf for Good. Yeah. And they were there at the launch. So, yeah. And I really liked them and I chose to work with them because they were, they were a smaller unit and we're a, we're a new brand and it, it married together quite nicely and we can really get involved with them. Going, they do loads of activations and trips like they want to go to Emirates Base Camp uh, in April next year. Yeah. I've said, you know, I saw them on the Yala Give website actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It's, you know, you can get involved, you can do things mm. and know that you're doing a good deed as well uh, that, is, that is helping Mm. various children around the world okay um, so I just think you, you as, a, as a brand you need to know your focus yeah so you're doing it from a kind of partnership point of view uh, but also it's you know it, it, you know diversity and things like this because it's a new brand that's created in the last kind of year or two uh, you can do things right from the start per se not that you wouldn't have in the past but you're kind of yeah I mean more if, relevant. if we're going to get involved social sustainability is very important to me you know I've, I've gone to Tanzania and built a school there okay I spent a month out in Tanzania built a school did it myself raised the money put the money in so you do it yourself yeah. you know I've renovated an orphanage in Sri Lanka and the same orphanage this year kept them going during COVID sent all the supplies because they ran out of funding completely yeah so I do I do things that I'm passionate about personally, um, and and I think everyone has their own opinions and stances on these things. But at least I know that I do make a difference where I feel I can make a difference. Mm. And OJ Lifestyle, though, its nature is such that there's so many causes in the world, there's so many things that we're fighting for around the world um, at the moment, all of them relevant. But also, I, I don't want to neglect the the idea of lifestyle. And I don't, I'm very passionate about trying to keep the idea of human interaction, community engagement together um, and, and preventing tech from taking over our lives because yeah. it's there to enhance it, not rule it. True. And I don't want, especially the new generations, the, the, younger, the younger generations coming through, yeah. I, I want them to make sure they still socially interact mm. and not just stuck on their mobile phones, you know. Yeah. What's the social dilemma that uh, makes us afraid? Yeah, and you <laughs> know, yeah. It's, it, yeah, that's it's very important to me. That's 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 a massive, massive social issue which mm. is being ignored or neglected a lot. And I just want to bring a little bit of light to that. And if I can make a difference to it, yeah. like, fantastic. It's a good statement, enhanced rather than real uh, around technology. Uh, so talking about this region, uh, and obviously you've kind of set up in Dubai. How do you view the region? I always ask on this podcast as an emerging market. Mm. Uh, and compare it to when I was growing up, we were told the BRIC nations, Brazil, yeah. Russia, India, India China. China. And, but now, that's say 20 years later, clearly some of them have emerged or are emerging and others aren't. It's not a given that a market will emerge. Do you think the Middle East will? And from a private equity point of view, in what way, for, like what are the opportunities? Other than lifestyle, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, building an economy is not is not an overnight process. Okay. Though 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 the, the Dubai have very much made it look like Dubai very made it made it look like it can be done overnight. Okay. You know, it's impressive what's happened here. I mean, if we're talking about D Dubai, UAE in particular, I mean, everyone knows around the world how impressive it is what, what what's been achieved here in such a short space of time. The the region, I think, is is a, is a difficult one in terms of. You know how how is that going to 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 develop? 
because this region is 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 really kind of separated into various different economies. Yeah, you've got some of the likes of the UAE, Qatar, Saudi that are really driving forward uh, in their own ways. But you know, the, Dubai in particular has had a, f- a focus on 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 tourism and has has dominated that industry. Mm. Um, will certainly be one of the top five players in the, in the last decade. And I don't see that changing. You know, I see that the passion here, and that's why it work, works for me very much, because the, the passion desire here to develop, to be the best, to be the number one, to handle things such as this COVID situation more, more uh, kind of in, a, in an economically friendly way to benefit the most amount of people possible um, is, is kind of well, you can't compare this, the level of success here in the last, even this year, compared to even when I, where I come from back home in the UK. Mm. You know, I speak to my friends over there and it's, it's a nightmare. Mm. Um, and that's just because of the leadership and how it's been handled. Mm. And I think that that shows where, where the leadership is paramount to success in the economy. Yeah. And it shows that with stable leadership, with the right methods, the right teams, you will have a, a settled um, economy here and I don't think you know I wouldn't say the UAE's ever been you have the BRIC nations like you said it's UAE you don't see on as a BRIC or it's not in the next mm. 11 as it's known uh, after that I don't think people really refer to those kind of mm. um, segments anymore in, in, in the finance world in, in, in okay. banking or PE okay. because it's so broad mm. um, the UAE economy is stabilizing. It will take time. Obviously, it's supply and demand as well, real estate. Mm. But tourism is the focus, mm. and if it can, if it can survive like it has, and dealt with the times of a pandemic, and still be be powerful, it just it shows how 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 good the underlying economy is here ultimately, mm. because. Um, Many places have, have struggled far more than here. And I think anyone that doubted it has kind of seen it for themselves. Yeah. Seen the recovery process activated and in line. And will uh, this country will be far stronger hmm. uh, and leaps ahead in, in, in their market and their specialities like tourism over the next uh, two, three years. So Interesting. It's a nice positive talk. <laughs> well, I, I, think it's, I think it's important to, to, to recognize that. I mean, and I'm not just saying it. You know, we generally are and would rather be here right now mm. than back home in London mm. and that, or, or, or Ireland. But, you know, it's mm. for sure. Mm. I don't think any of us would, would say otherwise. Yeah, in, true. I agree. So and yeah. there's a reason for that because yeah. we're more comfortable here. We're, we're, we're able to do, we're able to hold events. Yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not elsewhere in, in Europe yeah. exactly. so but from a you know it's interesting how you view the UAE as an economy uh, that can be looked at as its own entity as a, rather than the region but from an OJ lifestyle point of view do you see opportunities in the region the leadership here look in, amongst many things that they do they try and inspire the Arab youth they try and you know and, and MBS in Saudi Arabia has talked about Europe of the Middle East. Well, it's difficult to compare continents. Uh, you know, if we, people say that, yeah, as you mentioned, the countries here might be different, but, you know, uh, France is very different to Estonia, is very different to Ireland, yeah. yet something has worked over the last 50 years. Do, do you think that, that something can work here over the next 50 years? Well, I think I think everything is working here. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> tourism aspect, like yeah. you said, every country has 
as as a nation, every they, they will each have their either their own niche or their own um, speciality or 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 industry hmm. that really underlies the or, or shapes the economy. Okay. Right. So we you know whether that be agriculture, whether yeah. that be uh, whether that be pharmaceuticals, whatever it might be, uh, it could be coffee, sugar, tea, you know, okay, commodities. Depends where you are in the world. Yeah, the U the UAE is different because it's been born um, through through someone's dream, right? And it wasn't you know supplying a particular commodity. However, tourism is what it's supplying. Okay, that is its its underlying. Um, edge, if yeah. you like, and that's not going to change. Ultimately, you're never going to see any any form of kind of major agriculture or or, or kind of growth in that sense. That's mm. not what this this area of the world. It's not what the climate um, kind of yeah. allows for. It seems you have a good grasp of the economy and and things like yeah. that. But let's kind of segue into kind of motorsport, as I know it's a passion. Yeah, uh, in what way? Or have you, do you drive? Are you a fan? Have you watched uh, Formula One? I'm a, I'm a massive fan. I've always been a um, massive fan of of racing, motorsports. And as when I was young, I think that, was, that came from my uncle, uh, my mum's younger brother. Um, he used to race in the Rover GT series in the UK. Uh, which used to be very popular back then. So I remember going to Silverstone and Brands Hatch, Brands Hatch like exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to watch him race as a, as a young young kid. And um, I've, I've loved it since. I, I've been in go-karts since I was very young, went up, did the UK national go-karting, okay. uh, seeing the same like Lewis Hamilton would have done and David Coulthard. I, you know, David Coulthard and, and Lewis uh, and I all raced at the same tracks and go-karting. Wow. Wow. Um, so I went all the way up uh, to, to, to that level and then after that there's a natural progression if you want to go into like the Formula 1 route single seaters as they're known if you look at it a Formula 1 car is just a bigger more powerful go-kart hmm. you know you go from go-karts to usually something called Formula 4 Four in the UK yeah. yeah so went to there then after that you go to various different avenues but either Formula Renault or you can go to like Formula 3 hmm. uh, which is now the more popular route then you have Formula 2, which mm. is the feeder series, and Formula 1. Okay. So there's a kind of step-by-step -step progression now. But, you know, unfortunately for, for, for drivers, motorsport probably is the most expensive sport yeah. to be in. Um, you know, I was sponsored, so I was able to kind of afford to do it through, through those avenues. But otherwise, you have very wealthy parents that are funding um, their, their, their sons or daughters to, to race. Mm. And uh, for me, that sponsorship wasn't increasing enough in order to be able to sustain mm. a career in it because mm. um, you get to Formula Ford and then okay that was sustainable then once you go into Formula Renault which is what I was looking at back mm. then mm. Um, we're, you're looking at big money hundreds of thousands of pounds a year just to hundreds have a thousand car, pounds yeah. to, to be able to support your your seasons uh, racing mm. around the world mm. and ultimately the sponsors get very little back for it at that stage yeah. it's not televised or barely televised and it's um, you know there's no spectators you're getting you're doing it out of passion mm. and care that's why it usually comes from parents mm. um, so that, that didn't quite quite work out for me unfortunately but um, I never stopped racing you know I, I carried on kind of practicing it as and when I could in around my injuries mm. and uh, you know now I, I've raced in I went from single seaters to cars 
and I raced for for Ferrari in the in GT uh, series. Yeah, yeah, I'm not racing. I'm supposed to be racing all the season uh, this year, but obviously with what's happened, they, the season has has started same same weekend as Formula One started. The 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 Ferrari Challenge series started, um, but the uh, we our Emirates were still grounded when it started, so I didn't have a chance to. Okay, get back yeah. to start testing and, and get through the whole process. So we wrote off the season for me personally. How is what is the Ferrari Challenge series and how what does it look like from a time and commitment point of view and even a quality level of racing? In terms of racing, I'm very much in terms of GT. So say as, to make it simple, to categorize GT as cars, mm. if you like, and international international racing, like supercars, racing cars. Yeah. yeah so should. I, I very much see this this level of Ferrari GT racing as like basically being Formula Two slash Formula Three. Okay. You know, if I if I was to kind of consistently either win the championship or come in the top three in the championships for two three years in a row, there's a good chance that Ferrari, especially and if if my relationship with Ferrari is, is strong, they will then upgrade you or kind of lift you and Bring put you into, into the, the fold, yeah into the for example the the blanc pan series okay the gt series now that is the equivalent of basically formula one in cars so it's literally if i'm if you're in the top three in, in my series you'll go up to that level and that's as high as it gets yeah. to be honest um you you'll do that or you're racing the or you can select if you're if you're chosen to do the 24-hour endurance series, mm. so like Le Mans okay. and things like that. So it's literally the equivalent of being in the feeder series yeah. to to the top. Yeah, like some amateur pro or something. But is it something that people can sign up for a race? Like, say I do triathlon or I can compete in one. Or do you have to, like you mentioned, commit to the season? Do you have to go to every event? Uh, I mean. Yes, I mean per se, you will you will select to do the season. Yeah, um, your team probably wouldn't be too happy uh, if you if you weren't. <laughs> you, I think that there's two. So you mentioned there, you said amateur and pro. So when we're racing, you've got us pros who who are experienced, who've got the who are. Well, you all have to have the license okay. to be able to do it. And it's, it's a high, quite a high grade license. You're you're international B license, the top license is international A. So a okay. one off the top okay. global license. Yeah. Only thing above that is a F1 super license. Mm. Um, the the to, to try and race you need to be part of a team. If you're not part of a team, those there are a few drivers who just kind of have bought a car and are looking to, to go racing yeah. a little bit. They don't tend to take part in this series, not many of them, um, unless they really want to but uh, then they're not part of a team. They're just kind of there in their own structure. Mm. Um, so it was unusual. There's there's a few major teams, though, mm. that, that operate. I, I, I race with a team called FF Corsa. Okay. Um, they're one of the top there. So. Wow. Um, and it's, where are all the races? Is it all around Europe? All, all around the place. So yeah. we race all the Formula 1 tracks. So, oh, you know, nice. this year's season would have had... Uh, Catalonia, in Barcelona, Spa, Belgium. Yeah, uh, it's not just there. We also race. They do support the Formula One in mm. Bahrain mm. Um, for, for quite quite a while. Um, so just before the Formula One uh, cars come out earlier in the day is oh, our right. race. So it's the same weekend. Same weekend. Same. Okay. Um, and um, even this year, our last race of the season was supposed to be at Yas Marina, Abu Dhabi, just mm. before the Formula One, a, a week before, two weeks before the F1. Yeah. Uh, that's been cancelled now and rescheduled to, to be in Italy instead. Okay. Um, 
Wow. But, uh, no idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 it's pretty good. It's televised. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. quite, it's, it's, it's fairly, if you're into motorsport, you know about this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's highly competitive. Um, but it's, it's professional, it's very professional because what I don't like about racing so, so much, so many series is the, um, the, the kind of lower level ones. You see people smashing each other off the track, and you know it's a non-contact sport. <laughs> and I don't really want to be involved in that. It gets aggressive, yeah. It gets, it gets aggressive. <laughs> well, that brings me back about ten, twelve years ago. I went to see a friend in outside um, Edinburgh. There was a place. What's it called? There's a racetrack in Scotland. I'm not sure. Anyway, he was racing Formula Fours, and uh, he got out of the car and he had a fight with a guy, and it gets aggressive. So from, it, from Formula Ford, yeah, you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know when you're when you're racing, it's, you, people people. Um, it, it's hard to imagine. I've taken some friends out in 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 my race car uh, at Yas, yeah. and also. But do you practice there, and is that do you use the autodrome here and things like that? Uh, not not the autodrome because we don't we don't race there um, mm. at the autodrome. Uh, we I tried to practice on tracks that we race. So we use the Formula One tracks around the okay. world. So uh, it it makes sense to me to practice my. So my, my team are bringing my my race car. Uh, it's just having a, a the new um, upgraded uh, kits that it needs to have on the car for mm. to meet the regulations. So they're installing that at Silverstone because that's where my team are based in the right. UK. Then my car will be here in about four weeks time. Um, so that because I don't want me to be out the car for too long. So so I can do testing. So. Yeah. I'll be in Yas and I'll be doing Sounds like very high level <laughs> several sessions of winter testing. It's you know, and it's hard work. It's mm. it's not easy. You're you're you know, I've got when I'm testing. There's a team of maybe eight of us. Yeah. You know, I've got my engineer, my 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 senior engineer, yeah. the team manager, the, you know, the guys, your mechanics. Yeah. Then I've got my you know the data analytics. Every time you go out to do a session, you come back. Then you're you've got all the analytics on the screens. Yeah. Your you know your braking pressures, your tire temperatures, and you're analyzing it yeah. to to kind of work out for every corner where, where what needs to change in your setup. This stuff. And then you go back out and do it again. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of science behind racing. There's a lot of science behind achieving every tenth of a second. Yeah. Um, and it's it's. You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to have a, a deep interest, not just for being on circuit. Yeah. For uh, wow. the the data. Thanks for sharing. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Is the car branded OJ Lifestyle? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously every season, depending on who sponsors are, what's going on, will depend yeah. on what's what's marked on the car. So there's uh, there's OJ Lifestyle on it, mm. uh, and there's there's Very there's cool. various other companies. But I need to see if these these companies are c continuing on to next year because obviously this year, like I yeah. said. I, wasn't able to Omar, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining us and congratulations on the launch this week and we'll follow the journey. Thank you so much. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thank you for coming. So I, I appreciate it. It was nice to be there and hopefully I want to go to more events. So <laughs> please put on more. We, we, we've got a couple more in the pipeline for yeah. over the next couple of months. As long as uh, uh, we can get everything approved, then we will, we will do them for sure. Amazing. Got good to chat. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. you. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.